0: Today I'm sharing from the book of Acts chapter 15 and I'm calling today's word the freedom of faith. Reading from verse 1. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers that unless they adhered to the ancient Jewish custom of circumcision, they could not be saved. Paul and Barnabas argued and discussed this with them at length and finally the believers sent them to Jerusalem accompanied by some local men to talk to the apostles and elders there about this question. They arrived at Jerusalem and met with the church leaders and Paul and Barnabas reported on what God had been doing through their ministry. But then some of the men who had been Pharisees before their conversion declared that all Gentile converts must be circumcised and be required to follow all the Jewish customs and ceremonies. So this was a history-changing moment. The first great church reformation, from one covenant to another. The biggest issue for the Jewish Christians was that Gentile Christians should get circumcised as that was the seal of the Hebrew covenant through Abraham. But the sign and seal of the new covenant through Jesus was the Holy Spirit, the spirit of freedom and liberty. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul says, After you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Signed and sealed, and now to be delivered. So we move on into verse 6. So the apostles and church elders set a further meeting to decide this question. And after long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you long ago to preach the gospel to the Gentiles so that they could also believe. God, who knows men's hearts, confirmed the fact that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the holy spirit just as he gave him to us. He made no distinction between them and us. He purified their hearts through faith, just as he did ours. And now, are you going to correct God by burdening the Gentiles with a yoke that neither we nor our fathers were able to bear? Don't you believe that we are all saved the same way by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was no further discussion. And everyone now listened, as Barnabas and Paul told them about the miracles God had done through them among the Gentiles. And when they had finished, James, he was the leader there, took the floor. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people called by his name, Christians. And this fact of Gentile conversion agrees with what the prophets predicted from the prophet Amos. Now here is another prophecy in the book of Acts just like when Peter said about the... Word of prophecy, this is that, which the prophet Joel spoke about the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh. Now James is standing up and saying, this is that, which the prophet Amos spoke about what is happening now. A new stage in the formation and the reformation of the church. He's saying, let's get this right. God is speaking to us from Amos. And here was the prophecy. From Amos, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. I'll rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. All the Gentiles who are called by my name, Christians, says the Lord who does all these things. So God had told Amos in his day that because of Israel's rejection of God, that was back in the day when they were rejecting God, when Amos was a prophet, Amos says, you're going to be judged if you do this. And now here, James is likening Israel's rejection back in the days of Amos to Israel's rejection of Jesus at the current time. And he's saying that the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David signifies that the rest of mankind are now being invited to become God's people in the earth. That's a change. Gentiles were coming into God's new spiritual house of the church, a new temple or tabernacle. And the church would soon become a totally Gentile Church, which it is now, for a determined period of history, that's all, as quoted by Jesus, who said in Luke chapter 21, until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled, then he said, something's going to happen. He's speaking about troubled times will come. And it was also quoted by Paul in Romans chapter 11, he says, My brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, the mystery of Israel, that a partial blindness has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And then all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. Zion, an important place in what I'm sharing about today. So today, Israel is back in their physical territory in ongoing conflict but they await God's time to be brought into his spiritual territory of faith. God's time. Until the fullness of the Gentiles is come in. It's very clear. We are in the same waiting time ourselves but we're waiting for God's final number of Gentiles to be saved. And only God knows that time. That was quite an important thing that James said about Amos. So what's this tabernacle of David? Well, this is where Mount Zion comes in. When we read of how the tabernacle of David was set up, it was simply a tent on top of Mount Zion and it became the dwelling place for the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. But it always represented the abiding presence of God amongst the nation of Israel, the Ark. And the Ark of the Covenant was first fashioned in the wilderness when God commanded Moses to make the Ark and place it in the most holy place in the tabernacle of Moses. However, many years later, when Israel sought to presumptuously use the ark to carry it into battle, thinking, well, this will win a very difficult battle for us, they soon learned that they had violated God's order concerning the holiness of God's presence. And the ark was lost, to the Philistines. And the glory departed from Israel. That's in 1 Samuel 4. Saul, just around about that time, became king and ignored the ark all through the time of his reign. The Philistines, though, enemies of God, found that the ark didn't do them any good. They pinched it and they paid for it. It brought judgments upon them, not blessing. They cast off the ark and sent it to the people of Beth Shemes and further judgment came upon them. They discarded it at a place called kiriath Jearim, where it remained for 20 years. Now after this time, David prayed that he might find a place for the ark He said, I'll not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. That's in Psalm 132. So here is David in action. David gathered all Israel together in Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to his place, a tent on Mount Zion, which he'd prepared for the ark. It wasn't a tabernacle. The tabernacle of Moses was still over on another mountain, Mount Gibeon. It had an outer place, an outer court, and a holy place, but it didn't have a most holy place because the ark didn't go back there. David said, I'm taking it up onto the mountain. He wasn't a priest, but he, he knew who, this is God's will. He knew he had to do something, and historically, this is why we're reading this in the book of Acts, that was a special thing that God had planned to show us a picture of where we are today. David did this. He put an ephod on when he wasn't even a priest, a priest ephod. He danced around like he was one of the celebrating singers and he just took the liberty of the spirit and put the presence of God in a tent on top of Mount Zion. That's why I'm calling this the freedom of faith. He prepared a place, put it there, And the leaders of Israel took the ark up with shouts of joy, the blowing of horns and trumpets, the crashing of cymbals and loud playing on the harps and zithers. But as the ark arrived in Jerusalem, David's wife Michal, the daughter of King Saul, felt a contempt for David as she watched from the window and saw him dancing like crazy. 1 Chronicles 15. So, it was like David is saying, hey, this is a move of the Lord I'm going to dance about. Michal rebuked David for this. And David said, I did this before the Lord who chose me above your father, Saul, and I was celebrating before the Lord. And Michal was judged by God for her contempt for David. The ministry of praise and worship at that time was released in a measure never before seen in Israel. It was at this time that most of the Psalms were written, from which we sing many of the songs of praise. Praise and worship, that was David. David took the holiest of all things the Ark of the Covenant the presence of God into the holy place which was always resident in the tabernacle of Moses he took it into his tabernacle and tent on top of Mount Zion now let's have a look at what does this mean. How, what was this all about? The tabernacle in the other place on Mount Gibeon, Moses' tabernacle, people were going to church there but there was no presence of God. David had the presence of God up on top of a mountain and he was rejoicing. So it means that the tabernacle of David was a temporary dwelling place for God until another dwelling place was fully prepared. And you know what that other dwelling place was? It was the Temple of Solomon. Down in the quarry, the stones were being dug, but it wasn't David that was going to build that temple, that was Solomon that was going to build that temple. But there'd be no going back to the tabernacle of Moses from the tabernacle of David. That tradition was now making way for something else. What did James mean when he quoted Amos saying that the Christian church is now going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. Why did he say that? He was saying a new era of time, but now begun in the church. He's in Jerusalem. He's saying, sorry, all you Pharisee Jewish Christians that want the new church, which is going to be full of Gentiles. You can't make them go back to Judaism. That's what he said. A new time... For the church is coming, for what? To express the freedom of faith that flows from the indwelling presence of the Lord. So James was saying something here that is so historic. um, It would be wonderful to put that in a creed somewhere so that people understood what the story was about Israel and the church. This is the church. We're now in that era as the church that is purposed to live with a conscious sense of the presence of God expressing the freedom and liberty of the Spirit like David did. We remain in this expression of the freedom of faith until we dwell together in another tabernacle. You see, that tabernacle of of David, of the tent of David, was for a a period of time until the temple of Solomon was built. Well, what are we waiting for? Well, we're going to dwell together in the new eternal tabernacle of God in heaven. Revelation 21, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. We're in that waiting time for that temple. What's Israel in? They're in the waiting time for the deliverer to come out of Zion in the presence of God and then all Israel will be saved until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. What an exciting time to be alive. Especially when we start looking at present history. So Paul is saying, We are the church of Mount Zion. Now, we don't have signs up saying that, but the Bible tells us that's what we are. We're David's tabernacle dwell. Paul tells us we are not at Mount Sinai, which speaks of the law and blood sacrifices. Paul is saying that this church is a heavenly church on earth, living in the power of God's Spirit and in communion with the saints in heaven. It's like the mystical body of Christ, some people call it. Now, let me read it in Hebrews chapter 12. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the gathering of innumerable celebrating angels, and to the church of the firstborn enrolled in heaven, So see to it that you obey him who is speaking to you from heaven. That's the big ask. Listen to him who is speaking to you from heaven. You know who speaks from heaven to us? Jesus. No one else. Not Grandma. Jesus. Right? We listen for his voice to come and speak to us from heaven. Now, Many Protestant churches say the Apostles' Creed saying that they believe in the communion of saints. And it's understood to mean the whole community of faithful followers of Christ, living and dead, past, present and future. But getting back to this present moment, we're living this place of the presence of God, empowered by the freedom of faith, The spiritual dwelling place of God in the earth is his church who live by faith. There's lots of churches around. And in amongst all of the churches that are meeting today in Australia and whatever the other frame of time is globally in other churches on the Sunday, the first day of the week, In amongst all of those churches are people. We don't know, it doesn't matter what denomination they are, but there are people there living by faith, in a freedom of faith. We don't know who they are. doesn't matter. God knows where they are. And they're part of the church of the firstborn. What a special grace to know that you're living in the presence of God, that your life is actually being energized by the presence of God. That's the church of the firstborn. That's Mount Zion. That's the church of... He said, you've come to Mount Zion. The spiritual dwelling place of God in the earth now is his church who live by faith. That's where he dwells. We're no longer bound to the traditions and rituals of man, but we're released... Into the freedom of the spirit. Some Christians appear to think that embracing Jewish culture and tradition makes them more like Jesus. Now, that's not so. And even though there can be outward Christian practices and sacraments and ceremonies, that's fine. But they're not wholly of themselves. There's no magic in them. They a sacrament doesn't change the the wine into blood our faith understands that but not a ceremony so the practices are not holy of themselves they can only describe the work of god within our hearts of faith that's why we do them like baptism and communion baptism doesn't save somebody you might say, oh, well, the Bible says all you uh, believe and are baptised will be saved. Yeah, the baptism is the outward sign that I have now, I want to tell everybody around that's watching <laughs> that I believe and I've been buried with Christ in the waters of baptism and I'm being risen up in newness of life. And, and here it is, that was the day that I proclaimed it to everybody. But that is a statement of faith of something that's happened in the heart first. And communion, we bring to remembrance our oneness of a shared life with Jesus for now. And we do life-giving works of faith. Uh, what are things that we can do that are of faith, that are life-giving? Well, worshipping the Lord. and people get together and worship God and, and draw closer to him, knowing they're in his presence, man, oh man, that's... That's a sweet aroma going up to the Lord. Prayer, what an act of faith that is, surrendering to God. Your will be done. I know you're at work now, Lord. And I can't foretell what the outcome is going to be, but I tell you what, I'm trusting you, Lord, that whatever you're organising for me, let it be done according to your will. And the Holy Spirit saying, hey, come in a little bit closer. What I'd like you to do is... Um, Get a little bit closer because the more close you get, the more you're going to be able to hear what heaven is saying through Jesus to you. What was that I said? Don't, don't be forget. Don't forget to hear from heaven. Obey him who is speaking to you from heaven. So the Holy Spirit is saying, come in close. I want you to hear from heaven. And that comes when you draw close to the Lord in whichever way you wish to do that. Worship, prayer, the teaching of the word can draw you close to God. Because it's not magic, but it highlights the word of God for for you to go and pray and say, how does that work in my life? Then you ask God, then the Holy Spirit shows you. Because everybody hears a word in a different way, you know that? And our discipleship of following Jesus, each one of us is discipled to Jesus. And then we can disciple others and help them to know the Jesus that we know. It's beautiful the way that it can spread like that. But our discipleship of following Jesus is a good description of what the Church of the Firstborn is. So what with this coming to Mount Zion, being the Church of the Firstborn, how would we be discipled by Jesus? I'm going to repeat what Paul said. Again, see to it that you obey him who is speaking to you from heaven. That's our discipleship to Jesus. We can then grow in faith and we can encourage others to hear what he's speaking to. For for anybody at all that believes. And nobody else can speak to you other than Jesus from heaven. Heaven is always waiting to speak to earth. Let's expect to hear him speaking to us in our daily lives. We're going to sit and receive that from him now. That's why the Holy Spirit was sent, the seal of the new covenant, to tell us what Jesus is saying to us. Amen.